Hey there. Welcome to Twins Talk Clear-Cut Communication. Yes, we are twins. And yes, we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle the topic of communication in a podcast. But we're going to do it anyway, and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable. Hey, we're coming to you from Knock'em Stiff, Ohio, not far from where our last guest resides. And I don't know if he knows folks in Knock'em Stiff, but if he does, I hope he invites them to listen because his future presence on our podcast is going to depend on whether our crowd grows as a result of his interview. I do know that. But I would say this, uh, Ray, I was suggesting that what I want to do is maybe start the podcast today with a quote from John Wooden, because I think it has application to where we're headed. And John Wooden's quote is, it's what you learn after you know it all that count. And my view is that things we're going to be talking about, the one coming up in the next three or four episodes, feedback, is something I think people feel like they know quite a bit about. And yet our sense of things is they really don't do it very well. And most often, particularly when they're having to provide what they consider negative feedback, they're uncomfortable with it. And so my hope is that in this podcast, in this series, we'll be able to share some things with them that could be novel, but at least will be things that they can learn after they feel like they know it all that will make a difference. And so we're going to kick it off with the, talking about faith. Are you actually laughing? I'm laughing because I think you're, without intending to, you're calling our audience know-it-all. No, I wasn't intending to. It wasn't <laughs> without intending to. I knew I was doing that. Oh, okay, okay. I, I just wasn't sure. I was assuming they would be so know-it-all, they wouldn't get it. It was just, And they would, see it, they would see it as a compliment. Yes, they would treat it as a compliment. They would say, okay, I got it. I'm okay, ready to learn. I'm ready to learn. <laughs> now, setting you up so wonderfully, go for it. Okay. Well, Bob, you, as you and I have talked about this, from my own perspective and my own experience, I consider feedback the most underdeveloped, least well-used skill among leaders and executives of all the skills they need available to be successful. I have in the medical area, in the manufacturing area, in the finance area, I have yet to meet an executive I would point to and say, there's someone who knows how to deliver feedback. So for me, this is a skill that is either widely misunderstood or just as ignored in terms of it being important and valuable. And your view is not that feedback is the skill, giving feedback and being able to provide but feedback is the, the delivery skill. Because the feedback is really about the information, I'm assuming, that people are going to get regarding their performance, their behavior, whatever it is that we're trying to provide some insights to. And maybe that would even be something we'd want to talk about now, both what is feedback and why would he, why would we choose to provide it? Exactly. So why don't we, uh, why don't we spend some time on that idea of uh, what is feedback? And why provide it? Well, first of all, from my perspective, feedback is information that calls calls attention to behavior. And the key word there is information. For a lot of people, they don't treat feedback as information. They treat it as an opportunity to critique, an opportunity to, if you will, criticize. Uh, one of the things I think is a side note that's kind of interesting is when I'm doing training, most people think feedback is a social communication theory, that its founding and its importance was its attachment to social communication. Okay, When in fact, you know, as I know, where feedback that idea came from. Well, you may know better than I. Do. I want to hear from you, but <laughs> okay. I would I would say this. I, I know where you're headed, 
And I would make the observation in the academic world, anytime you can relate something from the social sciences or what's frequently referred to as the soft sciences to the hard science, to the natural sciences, you gain an advantage as an academic. And so my suspicion is where you're headed is feedback comes from the natural sciences, not the social science. Absolutely. It actually comes from physics because it's it's the process by which the output of a signal is fed back as an input to the system. If, if you were to think of it, it's like when you're at a music concert and the speakers start to squeal. That's called feedback, that the the system is picking up a signal that was sent back into, fed back into the system, and now it's creating a problem. It's too loud. I don't know the language. I guess the language is the gain is too great, whatever. But that's what really came from. It came from a physics understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and there was a time where I remember the physicist, but I don't anymore, and he's probably neither alive nor important. And I'm sure he doesn't care whether you he would not or not. And I also suspect he's not listening to our podcast. So fire away. You okay. can say anything you want. Okay, so it's information that's intended to bring attention to behavior, both positive and negative. We need to provide feedback to people who are behaving in a manner that they're creating success for themselves and others. And while we think of that as being a very relatively easy task, even then we don't do it well. Even then people do it in a way that minimizes the potential impact, minimizes what they're really trying to achieve. Another element of what feedback is, is that it's not not a criticism or judgment. A lot of people assume that if I'm going to give someone feedback, what I'm really doing is providing criticism related to how they're behaving, how they're working, how they're uh, looking at things. And it's really not criticism. It's information, uh, which is different. Criticism involves my opinion. When I'm giving people feedback, it really has virtually nothing to do with my opinion. It has everything to do with what they're doing and whether it's a a good choice, whether it's producing success or it's going to put them in a problem spot. Or it should have nothing to do with your opinion, because oftentimes that's one of the things we bump into is that people build their opinions into it and thereby reducing the effectiveness or impact of the feedback. I'm on the right track here. Absolutely. That's, That's exactly right. These semantic choices we're making to clarify this are really designed to make these distinctions so people can look at their own behavior and see whether it's really going to be productive. Now, also, I would say that uh, the reason why it's important to cover this ground is because delivering feedback is a skill. We've talked about what's involved in a skill, that you go through stages of development and that that skills can be perfected, skills can be advanced. So anyone who believes that they can deliver effective feedback without having developed the skill to do it is thinking in a way that I think is counterproductive. It's not going to work. Let me go back to the natural science perspective for a minute. My own memory of feedback as a part of a natural system is that the feedback, positive or negative, not criticism or opinionated, but positive or negative feedback is designed to create change or to amplify or to cause something to modify or adjust. That the whole purpose of feedback and systems is to give the system information that it can make an adjustment or make a correction in the right direction. And oftentimes when we apply that to the social sciences, we look at feedback and say, that's really a fundamental role of why, if you will, why provide feedback. It's to help people make the necessary changes, to help them modify behaviors or performance that will improve or enhance what they're hoping to achieve. Exactly. And in addition, when feedback is effectively delivered, it helps the individual receiving it to see their behavior the way others see it. Because very often, one of the dilemmas is people behave and don't appreciate the impact they're having. So so if I'm in a managerial role, should I or can I ever be in a position where I'm not giving feedback? I don't want to give feedback. I don't think it's my role to do give feedback. Uh, I'm kind of thinking this through and thinking, okay, if, if I presume that my fundamental role in working with people 
is to help them be able to identify and see the changes necessary in their behavior and performance in order to get better at what they do, then that might be easier for me to begin to build feedback. It's kind of a natural part of the process. It's something I need to assume that it's a role that I have to play. And so I'm just thinking that out loud. Can you think of any situations in which you would say managers, supervisors, they don't need to concern themselves with feedback? Feedback doesn't have to be a part of their communication process? I can't think of a single situation. If you intend for people to succeed, if you're involved in their success, if you're tangential to their success, then part of your commitment to that success is to provide them feedback related to their behavior. And if you take it outside of business, I think these concepts relate to parenting. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to help your children be more successful, develop in a healthy way, without your feedback, that's almost impossible. They'll take their cues, feedback they get from their friends. They'll take their feedback they get from school, from situation. And a lot of that feedback is not effective. It's not healthy. It's not appropriate. For example... Like a psychologist friend and I were visiting on campus and we began to come up with what we thought were pretty uh, interesting alternative therapies. And one of the therapies we referred to was maturation therapy, where every time some child said something, all the parent would say is grow up, grow up. Just grow up. That's maturation therapy. <laughs> so, the, so the feedback was grow up. And I suspect that's not what you mean by feedback. And that's not what we're talking about. And we'll get into that in more detail. Yeah, you're talking about that that having such low utility. That's almost useless. That's that kind right. of feedback. Well, one of the other things about feedback is that effective feedback always and only deals with behavior. Hmm. It doesn't deal with attitude. It doesn't deal with commitment. When you say things to people like you've got a bad attitude or you're insufficiently committed, that really is not effective feedback. That really is not easy to translate. It's not easy to understand. They have every reason to get on the defense, to defend themselves against that kind of accusation, because it's really not information. It's an accusation. So, so we've got an episode coming up where I think we're going to deal with a particular model of how people receive feedback, how they experience feedback. And I think that's kind of what you're talking towards. But the point here is that when you think about giving feedback and even receiving feedback, it needs to be behaviorally driven. It needs to identify behaviors that can be addressed, not attitudes or alternative ways of thinking about things, because it's only behaviors that people can really look at and say that can get correct. Yeah, they can make choices about. Well, the other thing is that it, that doesn't mean the behavior doesn't, uh, that attitude doesn't need to change or their level of commitment doesn't need to rise. It means you have to address that via behavior, mm. not via the direct focus on an attitude. You've got a bad attitude. The thing you ought to be asking is, what does a bad attitude look like here? What behavior am I using to evaluate your your attitude as bad? The same thing with commitment. What what about your behavior looks like it lacks commitment? Now, when I can bring that to your attention, you then have options related to whether you're going to change it or how to change it or what the impact is. But when I take on your personal choices, your personal preferences, that's entirely a different matter. Those are things that are not easy to address. One of the things that I'm hearing you say, Bear, is that by focusing on behavior, that really is the focal point of providing feedback. But my view as a listener is that's going to take more work than you maybe have historically given in providing feedback. Because driving it to the behavioral level, you have to think that through. If you say you got a bad attitude, you got to think, what are the behaviors that I'm seeing that causes me to have that reaction and speak to the behaviors? So my first thought is that as we talk about feedback and people try to think through what's novel or what what do I need to implement, one of the things I'm hearing us really argue for is you need to push yourself to get to that behavioral level in terms of being able to see that and analyze it at a behavioral level. Exactly. Effective feedback is never spontaneous. Hmm. Effective feedback 
feedback is never something I can just come up with kind of in the spur of the moment. Truly effective feedback is me looking carefully at what the other person's doing and being able to identify it in such a clear way that they can say, oh, okay, I get that. I see that. Great observation. Okay. In fact, I, I thought about in the past at one of our episodes, we were teasing with one-liners and the one-liner that came to my mind is it wouldn't be effective feedback to say something like, well, now if I agreed with you, we would both be wrong. Right. Right? Or I didn't say, right. I didn't say it was your fault. I said I was going to blame you. Now, right. that's not effective feedback. That's So we're putting that out there and say, those things are not effective feedback. So if you're coming from that perspective, you need to change your course. Right. I, I think, again, because it's a skill, and I think a lot of people don't think it's a skill. They think they have the right to spontaneously assault people verbally hmm. with their view of something. You providing your view of something is not necessarily feedback that anyone can use. Mm-hmm. And if, you're, if your goal and the goal of feedback primarily needs to be developmental, needs to be for the person's advantage, the reason you're sharing this is to aid the other person in considering how to change their behavior so they can be more successful, so they can be more effective. And, and so you ought to have a if you're going to provide feedback, you got to have a the intent to say, "I want this. I want to offer this to the other person as a gift. That's something they, if they, if they listen, if they see it as valid, they can make another choice that can make them even more successful than they currently are." I remember when I was thinking through and talking with people about providing feedback, and people would say, "Start with, uh, can I provide you some feedback?" And what they're really wanting to do is just get something off their chest. They're really upset with this person. They're really angry about them. And what they're really wanting to do is get permission to just drop the hammer. Exactly. And when I'm I'm visiting with them, I'm saying, if your sole goal is just catharsis, if all you want is to feel better at the end of whatever you say, then that works. I mean, drop the hammer as heavy as you want. But if your goal is to actually help that other person, if your goal is to make your relationship stronger, then that's probably not your best strategy. And that goes back to that spontaneous approach and saying, if you really are there to be a part of developing the other person, being a part of helping them like a child and parent, if you're really there to help a colleague or a subordinate, then you have to be, as you've said, more intentional and you have to be thinking about what's in their best interest and how do I deliver that information? Exactly. And one of the things that uh, I I think, again, the the importance of feedback is it's really one of the few interpersonal communication ways we have to influence others' behavior. Mm, Great observation. And and I like that, Bear. I mean, I I like it. All right. Good. 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 The other thing, here are some other things that uh, feedback does for you. Clarifies performance standards. If you're in a job setting, a lot of people might assume that others will know what it takes to be successful, what the standards are, where the where the high points are. And they don't. Mm-hmm. You need to clarify that. You need to make sure it's very clear what constitutes success. And feedback offers that. And when you say that, it brings to mind, we're, we're probably casting our conversation right now in the kind of supervisor-subordinate relationship. And I hear you saying as a supervisor, you can't assume others understand your expectations or the expectations of the organization. So those have to be clarified and shared. But how about in terms of just general work relationships? You know, we talked about conflict and how we're beginning to make the assumption that a lot of the conflict that occurs is between coworkers. And how about expectations in that place? The notion of we need to figure out a way to share expectations. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that in that case, feedback then is collegial. It's not subordinate. It's not uh, from a higher up to a person who needs to respond. I can offer feedback to friends. Mm-hmm. I ought to be able to offer feedback to friends. I ought to be offer feedback to colleagues. Feedback then needs to take on clearly a developmental interest. It needs to take on, it's in your best interest to consider this. This is something I'm sharing with you, if you'll hear it, that I think 
could work to your benefit, that could make a positive difference. In fact, you know, when you said that, feedback can be between friends, colleagues, et cetera. It almost strikes me like we've said in the past, the more important the relationship, the closer relationship, the more you consider yourself a friend to the other person, the more you're almost obliged to make sure you're providing feedback that helps them get better or correct or respond to what's going on in their environment that they may be unaware of. So my feeling is oftentimes they'll say, well, as a friend, I'm really struggling to find out a way to tell this person. And yet I guess I've worked from the assumption it's almost more my responsibility than anyone else's. If, if I'm not going to tell them, who else is going to tell them? If I'm not a good enough friend to be able to share, here's something I'm seeing. Have you seen that, thought about it, decided you're going to address it, et cetera, right? I mean, I, I think we're in sync. Yeah. And I, and I would go so far as to say, when you deliver feedback effectively, one of the results will be it will improve the relationship. Hmm. It will strengthen the relationship. Another great observation. You are coming up with a, several of them today, Bear. <laughs> you're on your game, you make man. that sound rare. You're on your game. Well, Okay. No, it's pretty regular, but I'm going to start observing that because I think those are good ones. Another uh, reason why I think that feedback needs to be delivered is because it creates accountability. That one of the ways you have of holding people accountable for how they behave in your presence is to provide them feedback related to that behavior. So it is a clear and, and one of the few ways that you can create accountability in the context of a relationship, whether it be a work relationship, a parental relationship, a collegial relationship, a friendship. There are times that all of those relationships need some accountability in order for them to keep functioning. What the tendency is, is to say, oh, that's that's too little. That's that's small. That's not a big enough deal for me to have to bring it to their attention. And my feeling is you need to address it while it's small. Because mm-hmm. once it gets bigger, it becomes more difficult to be heard. It becomes more difficult to create changes. Yes. In fact, you know, there, there was a book that came out some time ago, The Five Dysfunctions of Teams by Lencioni. And he builds a pyramid and near the top of the pyramid, I think it's the second from the top of the pyramid, he talks about the concept of mutual accountability. And he says that that's one of the hardest, the absolute most difficult things to occur in an organization is to create accountability horizontally. It's for people to share that kind of mutual accountability. And in fact, I tested that out when I was doing some consulting and just asked an executive. So when you hold people accountable, what do you find to be the most difficult? And he said that immediately. He said, the most difficult form of holding people accountable is when I try to hold my peers accountable because I don't quite know how to do that. And yet I think this whole notion of feedback and the ability to get feedback is right there. I mean, that's the only way to do it is to be able to create an information system in which feedback is continually operating in a direct and positive way. Positive meaning not necessarily positive feedback versus negative feedback, but it's positive in the sense it's information input to help the system change. Absolutely. And, And when I can count on my colleagues or my friends to give me feedback, I can count on the fact that my behavior is being observed and no one's going to let it get out of control. No one's going to let it slide in a direction that's to my disadvantage. Mm -hmm. So when you become effective at giving feedback, you're providing a gift to the people that you're you're delivering that to. Because otherwise, they, they, they could miss how their behavior is affecting others. Exactly. Well, listen, Bear, we are close to time. So maybe I'll cue the audience and say, we're going to come in on the next episode with some conversation around when should feedback be offered and what are some skills? We've been talking about giving feedback as being an extremely important skill and what might be some behaviors or skills that are embedded in the notion of giving feedback that will help 
people be more effective in providing that kind of information. Any way you want to summarize the session today? No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think that having a few episodes, a few sessions where we can talk this through could be very, very valuable to those who are interested. And so if we were to rate on our communication, because with Twins Talk, Clear Cut Communication, where would you put feedback on the continuum in terms of importance? What's what's my number range available? One, 3,500. Okay, I would say it's probably about, you said one to 3,500. I would say it's uh, 3,400 and maybe 87. The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or a situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast. Thank you.